I remind you of this. This is not new to you because I say it so much, but I remind you of this. When the early church was persecuted in Acts chapter 3 and 4, and they were forbidden to preach in the name of Jesus, and they were beat and released, they went back to a prayer meeting. And I believe that needs to be the consistent posture of the church, is a prayer meeting. A people of God who are praying. A people of God who are worshiping God. Not a people of God who are gathering around to talk about God, but a people of God who are gathering around God and in the power of the Holy Spirit, they are praying. And I can tell you one thing, and this is, this is happening in persecuted countries. And I can assure you of this, somehow, some way, God is going to get his children in America to pray. It's going to happen. And I pray that it would happen because we would be compliant and discerning and not have to wait for certain calamities to strike us to get us on our knees. Very few people in the churches today can go and kneel at an altar and worship God when the Bible tells us to kneel and bow down and worship. But yet so many times we can't. But God's going to do it with his children. He's going to do it. And it's better to have a compliant heart. When the church prayed in Acts chapter 4, they prayed under these threats. God, give us boldness to speak your word and stretch out your hand to work miracles. And I believe these two things must go hand in hand if the gospel of Jesus Christ is to be fully preached. I don't believe that it is enough for us to tell people about what Jesus did. I believe that we must be an expression of what he does. The works that I've done, greater works will you do because I go to my Father. That means the Holy Spirit has come. He's not coming, He's here. And all He has to do is be received by people. Just be received by you and He will come upon you and He will empower you to do things that you are incapable of doing. Your life will become exciting and your life will be a testimony of the risen Jesus Christ. Because the Holy Spirit came upon that group in Acts chapter 4. And I want to remind you that it says in verse 33 that he gave the apostles great power to witness the resurrection of Jesus and great grace was upon them all. And what really struck me was he gave the apostles great power to witness the resurrection. And if you study that word, it means that he gave the apostles irrefutable evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ through the show of miracles. So when the Holy Spirit wanted to give irrefutable evidence of the resurrection of Jesus, he didn't take the world to an empty tomb. He took the world to a supernatural church. And I believe that's the same method that the Holy Spirit has in mind today. That if I am to convince this world of atheism and agnostics and paganism that Jesus Christ is alive and he is Lord, I will operate through a supernatural people. And that will be the instrument of revelation and evidence that Jesus Christ is alive. Because he's alive in you and he's alive in me. And I believe this is the precedent that has been set in the Bible. And I don't believe that the Holy Spirit is going to go beyond those bounds. He can do anything that he wants to do. But he has chosen to work supernaturally. It's always been his method in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, in the life of Jesus, in the life of the apostles and the prophets. And it's no different now. They're not going to be saved by our worship services. They're not going to be saved by our cleverness or our intellect. They're going to be saved because the Holy Spirit is going to convince men and women that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
And they're going to bow to him. And that's the only thing that's going to keep us is because we bow to him. And we are convinced of that by the Holy Spirit. So I just want that. I want you to understand that as I speak to you this morning about something that God has put in my heart to talk to us about. And I pray this morning that this message will bring conviction to us. I really do. I, I don't ever want to be a part of a, of a service that has no conviction. I, I believe that if we're in church and there's no conviction, there's, then there's just no presence of God. I believe the Holy Spirit is still conforming us to the image of Jesus Christ. And there's a lot more he wants out of our life than what he's getting right now. But praise God, he can get it. You know, we, we can't produce it, but he can get it. And I want you to understand that. Now, I realize, you know, as I have grown up and I have witnessed things historically, and I've also read of things historically, that there have been people that have lived throughout human history who were different. And because they were different, they were despised. And because they were different, people were afraid of them. People assinuated or assigned certain things about them, that they were crazy or that they were nuts. One of the great scientists of the past, Gamaliel, was convinced that the earth was round and, and that the whole universe didn't circle the earth, but we actually in orbit around the sun. And they tortured this man because he had a thought that was out of the norm of what everybody was thinking. At some point in the past, there were people who thought of flight, that a man could actually fly. And people actually thought about flight until they were able to do it. And now many of us enjoy the benefits of that. There were those who had the dream of a man walking on the moon. Which seemed to be absolutely insane that a person would ever be able to do that. But the thought of a man work, walking on the moon began to infect brilliant minds who began to think of that as well. And a few of these people said, you know what, we think it can be done. And the world said that they were crazy, but they did it. They did it. There were people who thought up the idea of satellite communication. That somehow we can invent these devices and send them into orbit around the earth. And instead of having landlines, instead of having all of these power lines, we will be able to communicate by sending signals to bounce off of these, in, 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 in the realm of space, these really little devices. And we're going to hit them with these satellite rays. And it's going to bounce these signals back to earth. And a person can be on the phone in the United States of America. And in seconds, it can be bouncing off of a satellite and speaking on the phone to somebody in, in Lima, Peru. And, and the people that would originally think of something like that must have been thought absolutely insane. How could you ever do that? That, that, that is an impossibility. Somebody thought of the combustible engine and it, it revolutionized life. Somebody thought about the ability to somehow harness gunpowder and use that and it, and it evolutionized man's warfare on the earth. Because somebody thought about it. And other people would think that they were crazy because they were thinking outside the box. They were thinking behind the curtain that nobody else was looking past. But somebody was looking past it that you can do something that nobody else is doing. Something can be done that nobody else has even thought about doing. It can happen. 
And man has actually done it. We all are living in a lot of ways the, the, the enjoyment of the inventions of people that have gone before us. I'm really thankful for Thomas Edison. I'm really thankful for his brain and what he came up with and, and, and the things that he produced so that we can enjoy these things. And, and men piggyback off of men because when somebody devises in their minds this possibility, it opens up to others that you can build upon that. You've got this. This is great. The Wright brothers had this plane. They could fly, but, but we can actually create a jet and we could fly hundreds of people on it at 500 miles an hour and we can cross continents in a matter of hours and it's just like, the, 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 the progression of man, once somebody opens the door, then others will follow through that door and it will just create wonderful things. Somebody at one point thought, you know, though we don't see it and that we don't hear it right now, there are all types of voices speaking in this room. There's all types of music that is moving through this room. There's all types of TV shows and movies and, and, and images that are moving through this room. And, and nobody sees it and nobody hears it. But somebody in the past sat there and understood there are voices here. There are songs here. There are images here. And I'm going to invent a device that will receive those waves of, of, of radio waves, sound waves, and images. I'm going to invent a device that is going to receive that, and we're going to be able to capture those sounds, and we're going to be able to capture that music, and we're going to be able to capture those images, and we're going to have radio, and we're going to have satellite radio, and we're going to have television, and we're going to have movies, and we're going to have all of these things, because I'm going to create something that's going to catch the invisible. People thought they were crazy. There's no way that these things can particularly take place. So they were thought to be crazy because they were not of the herd mentality. I want to tell you something. I don't want to be of the herd mentality of Christianity. Because if I look at Christianity today, I have to be somewhat disappointed at the rise of evil and the rise of darkness. And it seems to be the apathy and, and the weakness of the belief of Christians to be able to do much about that. I don't want to be in that herd mentality. I believe there's something beyond the curtain and I want to know what it is and I want to operate there. I want to be able to say to the world today there's something that God can do that we've never thought about and has never been done. But God can do it and I believe God. And when people say it's over for America, I want to be able to say, no, I've looked behind the curtain and there's an answer. If we can open that door, there's an answer for this. There's an answer for our grandchildren. There's an answer for our young people. There's an answer to our culture. If we just break with the herd mentality of how Christians are living their life today. I mean, there's so much that God can be doing. There's so much that God wants to do in our life. And so I say this to you this morning. If you want to live a miraculous life, you have to have a miraculous mind. You will live the life you believe. You will live the life you see. And if your life is to be any different than it is, then you have to have a different mind. If your life is to live in such a way that your life is filled with miracles then you have to have a mind that sees the miracles. You have to have a mind that hears the miracles. You have to have a mind that believes the miracles are there. You have to see that. As a matter of fact, practically every occasion 
practically, not everyone, but practically every occasion in the Bible where God intervened among men and did a miracle, he did it through a man or a woman that received his thought. The thought of God entered them and they believed it to be. And they believed it to such a degree that that thought that entered into their life became a physical reality on the earth. Because somebody cooperated with God in regards to a miracle. And I believe with all of my heart, this is a generation that needs to see the power of God. This is a generation that needs to see the ability of God and to give proof to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the herd mentality of religion in America and Europe is certainly not cutting the mustard. And so I want to believe God and I want to see what God is doing and I want to be a part of everything that the Lord is going to do. And so I say this, that if a man can think the thoughts of God, he can do the acts of God. He will do the works of God. If he can think those thoughts, then he can do those works. And I want that to just settle in with you. And, and I, will, I will prove that to you. These, these are not just things I'm making up, but these are things that we can really derive from scripturally. That this is what God wants us to do. So I say that for mothers and fathers and and grandparents and single people. If you can think the thoughts of God, you can work the acts of God. And there's not a person in this room that, that does not need an act of God. In their homes or their lives or their families. And what is happening is God is waiting on you to receive his thought and believe it. So that you can Matthew 18 it. And pray, God let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so you have the power and authority to bind things on earth so that they're bound in heaven. And you can loose things on earth so that they're loosed in heaven. God has to reveal those things to us by his Holy Spirit. And so I pray this with all of my heart. A world of people in the church today, they live believing in miracles. And a world of people in the church today live longing to see miracles. And if something doesn't happen, a lot of people in the church today will die longing to see something they never saw and longing to be a part of something they were never a part of because it's not the longing for it. It's not even the praying for it. It's the receiving it. It's the receiving of the mind that totally transforms who you are. And even sometimes the church will think you are crazy. Because you're no longer the herd mentality. You've seen something. You've heard something that nobody else has ever heard. And I'm not talking about unbiblical. You can check everything out with the word of God. Okay. So he's not going to come show you something that's outside the Bible. I've got a new revelation. No, it's got to line up with this revelation. Alright, I just want that to be clear. But if you can get that thought of God. It is going to change everything. I'll give you examples of this um, in my own life, things that I've witnessed, because I believe it is important for us to investigate the things of God. I believe I actually believe there's something on the other side, if you will, of the curtain. I just use that expression. I, I think it helps you see something, what I'm saying. And I just believe there's something on the other side of the curtain, always at work. I believe the spiritual is always at work first and then the natural And if all I'm occupied with is the natural, then I'm missing the real energy and the real thing that's going on, which is what's behind the curtain, and that's the spiritual. So I remember I was, Ray was with me, and we were in a uh, refugee camp in the Dominican Republic. It was a Haitian refugee camp preaching, and 
Emmanuel's church, one of our friends who graduated from the School of Christ, and there was about 107 people in this metal building in a summertime Dominican Republic, and it was hot, and there was not a cloud in the sky. And we came into the church, and they sang for an hour and a half. It was wonderful, but they sang and worshipped and danced for an hour and a half. And Ray and I come up. It's my turn to preach, and Ray's preaching with me. So Ray and I come up to preach, and as soon as we got to the pulpit, a storm broke out on us. It hit that metal roof. It was so loud that even with our microphones, nobody could hear us. A little build, metal build, nobody could hear us. And so Ray and I just stood there and we informed the people, just pray that this would stop. And so we're praying for it to stop. It's not letting up at all. This thing is so loud and so much just falling on this building. So we just decided we're no sense in standing up here, which we had been standing up there for quite a while, waiting for it to subside. It didn't. So Ray and I began to walk down from the platform on this side. And as we're walking, I'm praying. I didn't say these words at the time, but it's just how I'm saying this message. I'm like, God, there's something on the other side of the curtain. I don't know what it is. There's something else at work here, and I don't know what it is. And so I understand that, Lord, you give rain. And if, and if you want it to rain here and that's your will, praise God. Then that's your will. I'm fine with that. But, God, if there's something else at work here, you have to show me. And you have to show me what to do because I have no clue what to do. So I'm prying, right? I'm kind of looking behind the curtain. God, what else is going on? You need to make this known to me. And so we're walking down. It was just two rows. And we're walking down the side and the wall's here. And God says, go in the back, walk down the aisle, go to the side of the room over there. And the wooden shutters were shut. And the Lord said, open up the shutters and I'll show you what's on the other side. I'll show you what you're dealing with. So Ray's walking with me. I go to those wooden shutters. I pull them open and I'm just poured up on with rain. The the deacon gets up from the back to shut the shutters. I don't know Spanish. I just hold him back. And Ray's there helping me come here right by my side the whole time. I open those windows up and I look up into the rain. And over that building is a demon head in the sky. Mouth is open and this storm is coming out. It's sunny everywhere else. It's only raining on that building. Is that right? Only raining on that building. And I saw that mouth opened up with that storm coming up. I said, in the name of Jesus, shut your mouth. And it did. In the name of Jesus, shut your mouth. It shut its mouth. It stopped raining. The sun came back out. The worship team got back up on the stage to sing. And we said, no way. We're preaching. You're not singing. And we preached. If there was 107 people in there, 100 of them came to give their lives to Jesus Christ that day. Now, Ray, is that right? Right there with me the whole time. Absolute miracle. What's that? Praise God. Praise God. There was a time when we were trying to move into a building because, you know, we were nomads in Baton Rouge for quite some time as a church. We just had a handful of people. We had no money. We couldn't get into a lease. We couldn't afford it. So we would find buildings around town that had been um, unoccupied. You know, people couldn't rent them. They couldn't sell them. And so 
we didn't have any money. And so we would just find the owner of the building and say, listen, your building's been sitting there for years. It's just decaying. Would you let us use it as a church? We can't we can't afford to get into a lease with you, but we'll go in. We'll paint it. We'll fix the yard up. We'll we'll move it in and, and just kind of spruce it up a little bit. And then if you rent it or sell it, just give us two months. Well, we did that eight times in Baton Rouge. And um, and we still survived as a church, which was amazing. And so um, I remember on one occasion we found this building and we were like we were at a deadline. We really needed this place. And so I remember we went to the permit office here in Baton Rouge to get a permit so that we could occupy the building. And so I, we go into the building permit office. And we're meeting with this man and we're showing him the plans and he said, so what is this going to be used for? He's got it rolled out on his table. He said, what's this going to be used for? And I said, well, we're a church. We're just a small congregation and we can't afford leases, but we're going to rent this place and they're going to let us come in and fix it up. You're a church, rolled it up. You'll never get this permit. Started to hand those plans back to me. And I said, wait a minute, sir. I said, we really need this place. We, we really have nowhere else to go, and we, we've got to be in this place soon. He said, you're not getting a permit for this building. You'll never be in that building. And I said, sir, please. I said, what can we do? I mean, if there's some things we need to bring up to code, tell us what it is. We'll work on the building and everything. You're just not using it. You're just not going to have it. And I said, sir, is there somebody else I can talk to besides you? And he said, you can't talk to anybody higher than me. And he left the room. And I sat there looking on the other side of the curtain. And I said to God, did you hear that? That's what I said. Did you hear that? I heard that, God. He said, I can't talk to anybody higher than them, than him. So God, he now made that on you. And that's, that's your problem. And you got to deal with that man who's full of pride. Ten minutes later, he comes back in. God is my witness. He walks back into that room. He says, I don't know who you know. But here's your permit. Now, nobody knew that we were in that room with him trying to get a permit for that. Nobody knew. But in ten minutes, when he left that office... Somehow, somebody talked to him for us and told him to give us the permit. That's amazing. That's amazing of God. And I would hate to live the kind of dull Christianity that I see so often being lived by so many people. When there is a God who wants to give us a mind that can believe for things that we don't naturally see, and we can be aware of things that we're not naturally aware of, but it is all right there, and it can transform society. It can transform everything. And I pray to God we would see it. So I want you to read with me um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, this very important scripture. I would encourage you to mark this place in your Bible and to read it as a, a, a daily prayer for your life. But this is so important, and I, I want to just kind of come through this in verse 11. Well, verse 10, I just want you to see that God reveals things to us. You see that? In verse 10, God reveals things to us. It's not so much that God just always sits down 
through somebody and educates us about something, he reveals something to us. And I I would say like Revelation, I, I guess if I could, I'd describe it as something like this. That if I'm sitting with somebody in a dark room, it's pitch black, can't see anything in it. But somebody in that room knows the room perfectly. They know it. They're telling me everything that's in the room. And they're telling, oh, yeah, right over there I got a Keurig and, and there's coffees and there's some CC coffee pods and there's some creamer. And over here is a bathroom. There's a couch over here and there's this. And I've got these pictures over here. And he's telling me everything about the room. I'm hearing it. And because he's a good man, I believe him. I believe all. But I could no, by no means go and start fixing myself a coffee because I can't see it. I can't see anything in that room. But I'm educated about the room. And I know what's in the room. And I could leave that dark room and I could come and I can tell you, yeah, I was in this guy's office and he's got this Keurig coffee pot and he's got these CC coffee pods. He's got these pictures and this couch and all of these things are in the room. And I would no more know much about that as you would that I'm telling you about it. But revelation is this. I'm sitting in that dark room and that guy's telling me everything that's in it. And then he gets up and he flips on the light. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, see it. I can operate in here. I I can actually function in this room now. And that's what revelation is. So many people sit there and they just get all the milk from a preacher. And they, they get all the milk from a teacher. And they're just, you know, giving back everything that they've heard, everything that they've learned from God, everything that they've walked with God in. And they, and they, and they pour that out and you hear it. And because you have a basic faith in me to tell you the truth, you, you would say, okay, I believe most of these things that he's saying. I have no reason to not believe him about that. But you leave and you even go talk to other people. Hey, man, if you had a miraculous mind, you could have a miraculous life and you could repeat some of these things back to people. But you're no more going to live a miraculous life than them. But if the Holy Spirit, if you would allow him, he would do it. He would come and give you revelation. He would flip the light on and you would say, oh, I see. Now I can function in this life of miracles and the supernatural. And you would see that. I pray that you just get it and you would pray for that anointing on your life. So he says in chapter 2 in verse 10, he gives that revelation to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, the deep things of God. No man knows the things of a man, but the spirit of man which is in him. Even so, the things of God knows no man, but the spirit of God. Now, we have received. Praise God. That's done, right? We have received. Not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. Why have we received the spirit of God? So that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Isn't it wonderful you don't buy things from God? Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. That's what you have to do. By the Holy Spirit, compare spiritual with spiritual. The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, For they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Now, I know what some of you are saying. The natural man are all of those that are lost and not born again. Hold on to that thought. Before you just put a period there. Because it's so important that we as Christians understand the word. 
I'm just going to read with you, okay? Verse 14 again. The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And I, brothers, could not speak to you as to spiritual. Here are brothers in Christ born again, but Paul cannot talk to them on spiritual terms. And he says, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes. And so this is what Paul is dealing with. They're babes in Christ. They're in Christ. They're born again. Do you understand that? But they're operating in a carnal fashion. And they're not spiritual. And if they're not spiritual, then they're having a difficulty receiving the things of the Holy Spirit. They think that the things of the Spirit are foolish. They don't understand tithing. They don't understand why people go and kneel in an altar. They don't understand a choir of praise. They don't understand why people get excited. So they don't understand these things because their natural mind can't comprehend them. And they appear very foolish to them. They live and operate on a natural level with natural laws. And take life as just a matter of coincidence or a matter of fact. Well, this is the way it goes. Or that's what's going to happen. Or a hurricane's going to come and hit Baton Rouge and, and with 200 mile an hour winds. Just the way it is. You better hunker down. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's something on the other side of the curtain. Let's pray. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to reveal something to us by the Spirit so we can see what's really going on here and we can receive from God something else rather than the diagnosis of man. You understand what I'm saying? So in order for that to happen, we have to be spiritual. We have to have a spiritual mind responding to God, confession to God. People say, I see no sense in speaking in tongues. I see no sense in prophecy. I see no sense in these things. I want to go to church. I want to find a seat. I want to sit down. I want nobody to bother me. And I want to leave when it's over. Unbothered, untouched. And you can do that. But the supernatural life that's afforded to us is waiting for you to walk into it. To receive the Spirit of God and the life of God. Now, I want this to stand out to you in verse 15. He that is spiritual judges all things. And this is the meaning of that word, examining or investigating. Isn't that good? And that's really, when I was in the permit office, that's all I was doing. When I was in the Dominican Republic with Ray preaching in that Haitian church, that's all I was doing. I was investigating something rather than just what I was seeing. Something else is going on here. I spoke with a little six or seven-year-old demon-possessed kid in Mexico. Jeff Lee was with me. Others may have been in here with us at that time. They tried to cast the devil out of him in the church, and he got loose, ran out the church. There's a barbed wire fence around the building, and I walk outside, and this, this little seven-year-old kid's chewing on the barbed wire. Blood's coming out of his mouth. And I said, in Jesus' name, come here. And the little boy walked over to me. And we're seeing each other face to face with this fence between us. He started speaking to me in Spanish because that's all he knows. He said, if you're a demon, you know English. Talk to me where I can understand you. He spoke to me in English. People are watching this. I don't have to live by natural limitations. 
There's a supernatural life that I can walk in and I can live in because I know there's something beyond anything that I see. And God is the ultimate authority that I get to walk with. And he has invested in us a relationship with him so that he can do something through our life that man cannot explain. And we can say it's because Jesus is alive. Jesus lives. And so it's the investigation of these things of the spirit. It's investigating them. Come on, think about it. How many of us just take it for granted? How many of us, well, that's just life. That's just the way that they are. Oh, they're having a miserable day today at work. You know, that person that always has a miserable day. They're just having a miserable day today. It's just the way that they are. Wait a minute, time out. Investigate. Why are they having a bad day? What is going on in their life? Maybe they tried to commit suicide this weekend. Maybe they're going to be successful next weekend. Maybe God wants to show you something in the spirit that will change everything in the natural. And so we investigate it. Now, that just simply means, God, what are you doing? What are you trying to show me? What are you trying to explain? What do you want me to see? How do you want me to operate in this? What is it that you might want me to do? Because God, I am a representative of your kingdom. and I'm an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And at the end of the day, God, I want you to get your glory, not Satan. And so you just investigate it. And you talk to God. And you open yourself up to the spirit of the Lord to speak to you. And to know what it is he would want you to do. Two more scriptures. John chapter 6. And if you just want to listen to this scripture, you can. Multitudes are following Jesus. And as they're following Jesus, they're hungry. They haven't been fed. Passover is coming. So they're going to have a very difficult time eating if he doesn't do something. So in John 6, 5, it says, When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come to him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? This he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Guys, that's all I mean. Here you have the supernatural mind of Christ and the natural mind of men. And Jesus makes a statement to the natural men who are his followers. What will we do? Where will we go to get enough to feed them? I already know what I'm going to do. There is no curtain for Jesus. He just sees it. I know what I'm going to do. But I'm proving you. I'm proving you. And and God puts us in situations. Oh, please get this. It's really not that difficult to get. God puts us in situations where we're really stretched to our limit. And we feel like now there is no solution at all that I can do. I just got to send the people away. And yet Jesus is standing there with us, proving us, because he already knows what he would do. And I'm just saying to you, don't leave the situation. Don't leave the matter until you've talked with Jesus and you know what he wants to do. Investigate so that you know exactly what it is that he wants you to do. And have the faith to walk in it when he shows you. Have the faith. I mean, I think about Abraham. I'm taking my son to the top of Moriah where I'm going to offer him as a sacrifice to God. Wait a minute, Abraham. Chapter and verse, brother. Well, it's never been done before. But I'm going to do it because God told me to do it. And do you know what, Lee? Me and my son are both coming down from this mountain because 
He's going to raise him up from the dead. He's my promise. Man, here's a man who's thinking totally outside the box. Walking with God. And I wouldn't have had that thought. And I certainly wouldn't have counseled him to do what he did. But I praise God that he walked with the Lord to the degree that he did. Now, don't go off of your kids up because we now have the biblical answer. Now, some of you may want to, but don't go do that. All right? I think about, I think about Elijah. I think about Elisha. The Shunammite woman's son's dead. And what does Elisha do? He goes back to his home, puts his staff there, and he lays on top of the dead boy, nose to nose, mouth to mouth, eyeballs to eyeballs. He lays upon that boy until life comes back into his body. Where did he ever see that? Elijah never did that. Where did he ever see that happen? He didn't have to see somebody else do it. He was walking without a curtain. He saw the way of God. He had a miraculous mind. And therefore, he was able to live a miraculous life. What about Mary and Martha? I mean, come on. Jesus doesn't even show up for the funeral. He's not there for the wake. Lazarus has been in the grave for four days. Family's still there. Family is still mourning with Mary and Martha. Jesus shows up and he says, take me to where you brought him. Roll the stone away. I'm going to bring him back from the dead. So let, let's say one of your loved ones has departed and, and you're, you're there with Jesus. And, and Jesus says, I want you to get into your van with all of your family. I want you to drive to the graveyard. I want you to dig him up and I'm going to bring him back. For, who would do that? But we read these stories in the Bible as though they're so, sometimes so fictitious, but they're not. They're real and they're true. And here's two women that are willing to do something that Jesus told them to do. Not because they heard something. They had the mind to receive it. They had the mind to do something. The apostles on the day of Pentecost. We are about to become the holy of holies. This is absolutely radical. But we're about to become the holy of holies. On the day of Pentecost. And we believe it. We're not just hearing his words. We're waiting here until Pentecost gets here. Because when Pentecost comes. He's coming. And we're going to be the holy of holies. Man. And they turn the world upside down. Why? Because he who is a miraculous mind. Stepped into their life. And gave them his thoughts. And I encourage you with that with all of my heart. That you would let the Holy Spirit do this to you. So I have one more scripture to read with you if you will. And that is in Philippians chapter 2. The Bible tells us this. There's just such a wonderful life. Exciting life. that God has for us to live. Appealing to young and old. Full of joy and adventure. and Everything that God has. In Philippians chapter 2, this chapter talks about just how precious Jesus is, how wonderful Jesus is. But it says in verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And so this is, this is what I want to say. There are those of you in this room, you long for something more. You long for it. You don't know what to do. You know there's something more to your Christianity than the Christianity that you're living. You know 
This is a God of miracles. And you long to see miracles. And I say to you. That if it is to happen in your life. You have to let this mind be in you. Because everything you're you're feeling. Everything you know. Everything you believe is absolutely true. Many people are just very content. To let somebody else do the miracles. And I just want to see them. Well, I pray God that there'll be some people who break from the herd mentality. And we'll start to think the thoughts of God. Because if we can open that door, many people will walk through it. And believe God for other things. That's what the apostles did. That's what the prophets did. Jesus promised us a life of power, a life of authority. And it's for him. It's not for us. It's not to get a TV deal or a book deal. It's for Jesus to be magnified and glorified in the earth. For the lost to know that he is Lord. For the nations of the world, the governments of the world to bow before Jesus Christ. Politicians sit up and they take notice if you've got a big church. But if you don't, well, well, I, I, I think it's time for politicians to take notice of us. Not because of the size of our church, but the size of our God. And he needs to be seen for who he is and for what he is. And his demonstration of that is through the church of Jesus Christ. So the word, let this mind be in you. Let is not necessarily in the original text, but the word be is. And so what this actually means, it's not that the fact that the mind of Christ is trying to get in you and penetrate you. It's that it's there. If you're born again, the spirit of God is there. But let it be. That's, that's the tense of what this is saying. Let it be. In you. That, that word means exercise it. Interest yourself with it. Set your affection on it. So that's the difference between a carnal person and a spiritual person. The possibilities are there for everybody. It's not, you know, go to seminary and get a PhD and then you'll be spiritual. No, it's you have this mind. Set your affection on it. Be interested in it. Occupy yourself with it, and you will begin to live by that mind. And it will revolutionize everything in your life. King David was given this mind, and he wrote everything about the temple and the tabernacle and the worship of God because he saw it in heaven. He saw, he had the revelation, and it changed his life. And it changed the life for many people in Israel, and it certainly changed our lives. Because of what King David wrote about in regards to worship and to praise. Look at Joshua. Look at Joshua coming out from his prayer closet. Walking out in front of Israel. Going out into the valley. And looking up at the sun. And saying, stand still right there. You are Who does that? Who thinks that thought? But God gave him that thought. And he received it. He let that mind be in him. He let it be. 
And because he let it be, he spoke to the sun and the sun stopped. And the miracles of God would transpire from that. So many times we struggle to live to Wednesday what we get on Sunday. We struggle to live Monday what we vowed to do on Sunday. We struggle to continue or to keep the promise because of the battles and the wilderness walkings that we live in. We get up every day to gather a handful of manna when there is milk and honey waiting for us in the promised land. The river Jordan means death, the descender into death. Jesus brought us through that. We're already, the the promised land is opened up to us. And it's to walk in the promises of God and the mind of God. And so I say to you, I guess much like Moses when he saw the bush burning, he stopped. He drew near and he pondered it. Would you give God that kind of time? Would you do that? Most of you will not read 1 Corinthians 2 again. Unless somebody reminds you of it. And it's one of the most pivotal, important chapters in a believer's life. Will you do it? Will you go to the burning bush tomorrow morning? And open up your word and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and say, Dear God, I don't want to live in the natural. I want to be spiritual. I want to know the things of God that are freely given to me of God. I want to see behind that curtain. Would you do that for me? Would you you draw near to the burning bush and ponder it and look at it and wonder, What is God doing? You're coming to his presence and you say, God, why are you doing this among us? What is going on in my life? Why have you visited me this way? Is it just to make me feel good so I can go to work Monday and say, oh, wow, we really had a good service Sunday. No, that's not it. God, there's so much more. And you know what you're going to do. I just need you to show me. And we'll feed these people. There's 600,000 people in Baton Rouge that don't go to church. 600,000 hungry people that need the bread of life. How will we ever feed so many? And Jesus is like, I already know what I'll do. But can you receive my thoughts? Can you handle it? Can you handle my mind? And really, it's the Holy Spirit. Let this mind be in you just simply means let the Holy Spirit operate in you. Investigate Him. Ponder Him. Set your affections upon him and let him speak to you and lead you. Your families are waiting on this. Your city is waiting on this. Your workplaces are waiting on the possibilities of God in your life. And enough with the herd mentality and calloused and apathetic Christianity. But it is time to walk in the Holy Ghost and lift up the glory of Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me, please? I just simply invite those of you this morning who would desire to draw near. Draw near to the burning bush, if you will. Draw near to the presence of God. You would come and you would say, God, I want this mind to be. I want it to be in me. I want it to operate in me. I want my affections on it. I want to investigate the things of the Spirit. I don't want to live by just life coincidentally I don't want to just simply live my life doing what men can do God I want to live a life that's supernatural in your power 
and in your glory. I want people to see Jesus. There are things, how many of you would say that? There are things in my life, my workplace, my family, my home, even my personal life. I need a, I need a move of God. I mean, there's just things that just brings me to the wall of depression. But there's, a, there's something on the other side of that wall that's victory. And I need to see that, God. I need you to speak to me about that. I need you to give me revelation and show me. God will do that for you. God will do that for you, beloved. Come and receive. Don't just come and say, oh, God, please. But receive. Receive his spirit. Let this mind be in you. Do spiritual disciplines by faith. Open up your heart and begin to pray. Not from your head. Pray from your heart. Pray from your spirit. Pray in your tongues. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Let the river flow in you. That's just the beginning of the difference. We have to do something different by faith if anything different is to begin to happen in our life. So by faith, do something beyond what you're used to doing. Move out of your comfort zone. Make the phone call. Write the card. Visit the person. 